Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Say your workplace is not safe? Well, bring the union in for an inspection. The Biden administration likes the idea and is now reviewing the process. Today on the show, the latest from the heat and frost insulators and our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger. Welcome to the Wednesday, February 28th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. James Patrides will be our first guest on the show today. He's actually filling in for Pete Almini for the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Trust. Website to go to, mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. Jim has over three decades of experience working with clients in the fields of energy management, in government, nuclear, public, and private markets, and this is all through North America. He has a bachelor's degree in safety and environmental health and education and a number of certifications and licenses across the country, including those in energy management. In fact, during his career, he served as the president of two mechanical insulation companies, and right now, He serves as a senior mechanical insulation specialist for the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. So we're going to talk about what is a mechanical insulation audit, why it's beneficial for a building owner to see a mechanical insulation audit, how does someone get a mechanical insulation energy audit performed, and This is probably the most important part of our discussion today. Is the return on investment incorporated into the mechanical insulation audit? Now, we have had many conversations with Pete Almini on mechanical insulation over the years here on the show, primarily talking about the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, which would involve well over 350,000 federal buildings. When you think about it, This is a no-brainer, but you're dealing with Congress on this issue. We're talking about investing in mechanical insulation, saving energy costs. It pays for itself. So Jim is going to talk about that and the fact that most building owners do not have their mechanical insulation systems reviewed or inspected. And there's often a significant amount of energy and money that can be saved by having a mechanical insulation system audit performed and following the recommendations after that. (laughs) It's important that you do the right thing once you get the information. So uh, Jim Petrides will be our first guest. Later in the show, we're going to check in with our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger. And uh, what we're going to do, well, this is still Black History Month, and uh, you might have seen a couple of comments recently about the airline accidents, the door coming off that Boeing jet about uh, six weeks ago. There's been more, and a number of uh, conservatives have come out saying these incidents weren't caused by aircraft CEOs putting profits over safety. They happened because too many unqualified people of color have been hired for the sake of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. (laughs) 
I shared this story with Tom, and he went ballistic. He said, are you kidding me? And that led to a conversation about what Tom Buffenbarger did as general president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers some 20-plus years ago. In fact, uh, Robert Roach, who we featured on this show on the uh, February 16th edition, was his general secretary treasurer, the first African-American vice president of the IAM and the first African-American treasurer. What Tom did at the Machinist Union was copied by other unions and eventually the AFL-CIO. He pretty much created a blueprint for diversity, and it's been working. It's been working. So Tom Buffenbarger will be our second guest right here on America's Workforce. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. The Biden administration has begun its final review of a new OSHA regulation allowing union reps to accompany government officials during workplace inspections. More specifically, the rule would allow non-union workers to authorize a union to help inspect their workplace on the basis that the skills, the knowledge, or experience of the union could make inspections more effective. For example, union representatives may have more experience monitoring their workplaces for safety hazards. And as third-party inspectors, they may be less afraid to point out violations than the non-union employees themselves. Well, this caught the attention of our friends at the National Council for Occupational Safety and Health, better known as National Kosh. Got a statement here from Jessica Martinez, co-director, co-executive director of National Kosh. Jessica says, in April, we will join with the U.S. and global labor movement to observe Workers' Memorial Week, honoring millions of workers who have become sick or injured and tens of thousands who die from sudden trauma, or from long-term exposures in the workplace. Well, by giving workers a stronger voice in inspecting their workplaces and correcting preventable hazards, OSHA's new walk-around rule can play a very important role in reducing the risk of occupational illnesses, injuries, and fatalities. She went on to say, with a trusted worker representative on site, Safety inspections can more effectively capture the firsthand knowledge workers have about work processes and potential hazards. A representative selected by workers can also bridge language barriers and reduce the fear of retaliation, which is often a major barrier in gathering accurate information about workplace conditions. Creating a path for workers to participate fully in safety inspections with proper assistance and without fear of retaliation, is one valuable way to make our job safer and save workers' lives. That's a statement from Jessica Martinez, who's co-executive director of a great organization, National Kosh, linking the efforts of local worker health and safety coalitions in communities all across the country. Now, now that Biden is trying to do this, well, you know there's going to be a pushback. Business groups are worrying that the inspections will open the door to union drives at non-union workplaces. God forbid that should happen. 
never ceases to amaze me. While we're talking about worker safety, Liz Schuler, who's the president of the AFL-CIO, released the following statement on the Department of Homeland Security's recent announcement of enhanced procedures to hold exploitive employers accountable. Liz said, every worker, regardless of immigration status, deserves a safe and fair workplace free of exploitation. This announcement supports our efforts to ensure that immigrant workers who take action to help enforce our labor laws will be protected from retaliation. She goes on to say these common sense procedures reinforce the Biden administration's commitment to protect all workers in our country and hold employers accountable for egregious violations of our labor and employment laws, making it safe, especially for immigrant workers, to exercise their protected rights and file claims when they are mistreated helps lift wages and working conditions for all. These are exactly the sort of tools we need to help rein in rampant wage theft, prevent needless workplace fatalities, and combat the shameful resurgence of child labor in the 21st century. We will continue our work to utilize and further strengthen these vital protections. That's a comment from Liz Schuler following a statement on the Department of Homeland Security's announcement of enhanced procedures to hold employers accountable. You know, there are good employers out there. Don't get me wrong, but there are some bad ones, and they need to be held accountable. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, James Petridis, on behalf of the Labor Management Trust of the Heat and Frost Insulators, back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. 
So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to line number one. Welcome a newcomer to the show. Normally, we check in with Pete Almini on behalf of the Heat and Frost Insulators, where Pete serves as executive director of their Labor Management Trust. The website, mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. Today, he decided to take a pass and send it over to Jim Patrides. Now, Jim is a senior mechanical insulation specialist, been involved in the field for, uh, my gosh, 25-plus years, and uh, he's going to talk to us about mechanical insulation. Jim, welcome to the show. And before we go any further here, uh, when I have somebody new to the show, I'm familiar with the topic, very familiar. Pete is a great teacher. I have learned a lot talking to him over the years. But uh, talk to me about yourself. Uh, you have an interesting career path. Let's let's start right there, brother. Go ahead. Um, I, I started out in the field as a mechanical insulator, uh, worked through the union ranks, was a apprenticeship coordinator, uh, foreman on multiple projects, served in every local union position in my local union with the exception of business manager, then moved on and uh, went to National Labor College, was there, finally got a couple degrees from National Labor College, one in safety environmental health, one in education, went on and did some um, work as a, in a master's in public administration through the University of Baltimore, then went and worked in for a contractor for about 19 years, uh, became president of a company called Advanced Nuclear, and then have recently moved back into the union fold and then now working for the Insulators LMCT program. Well, that's interesting. You you went to the other side. What what prompted you to do that, uh, Jim? Uh, politics and money. So between those two things, it was it was a reason to go. So that's why I moved yeah. to the other side. Gotcha. Not not did Pete help you help you navigate getting to the other side? No, actually, we no. It was it was a different situation. It was uh, I had multiple offers. Once I I was a late bloomer and graduated late from college. My first degree was in 1999, but I had a, a multitude of uh, credits from different colleges, and the wife was wanting to know why I was still working in the field and had all the student debt, and I needed to move into management. So I had multiple offers and ended up going to the city of Indianapolis and, and opening a branch there for a company, and then moved up within those ranks and then moved on back to the union side eventually. Well, that student debt will do that. In fact, we talk a whole lot about that on the show with various trades, trying to get them into their respective apprenticeship program so they don't have that student debt. That That's another conversation. We're going to specifically talk about mechanical insulation because you're a senior specialist in that field. But uh, before we get into that, how about a shout-out here? You you mentioned, can, can we give a shout-out to the local that you spent a lot of time with when you when you started this? Well, I started with Local 44 in Columbus, Ohio, which then became Local 50 in Columbus and Dayton. I then moved to Indianapolis and worked for local with Local 18 for that local. And then because I was in charge of a nuclear company, worked for multiple locals across the country in Florida, in California, um, 
et cetera, all over the country, East Coast a lot, so a lot of different locals around the country. So where are you based now with all that uh, with all that moving I, around? I, I currently, I recently moved from Indianapolis to Philadelphia uh, in the last year and a half, and so I'm currently in, technically in Levittown, Pennsylvania. Okay, all right. All right, let's talk about uh, mechanical insulation. I'd like to get your perspective. Pete has said a lot to me over over the years and educated, like I said, myself, our listeners, the importance of it. We got into legislation that he's pushing in Congress, and it seems to be moving in the right direction. Everything takes its time. But uh, as, far as, uh, as far as mechanical insulation, and obviously you've got a rich history here and the importance of it, Let's let's start right there. Are we making a dent? Are, are, are people starting to understand the importance of mechanical insulation on, on how much money can be saved here? Because, you know, the money that you spend on it is going to pay dividends down the road, right? Correct. And I would like to say we're making a dent, but I don't believe I think it's a very slow process. Very many people across the country believe First of all, most people don't know what mechanical insulation is. They think it's the pink stuff you're putting in walls, and it's not. It's on the mechanical systems, on piping, ductwork, equipment, et cetera. And until you get into the field, it's very much a niche field, and many people aren't aware of what it does. Uh, but it started basically during the Industrial Revolution with the steam revolution and uh, the insulation of steam piping, et cetera, for burn protection and also to make the systems more efficient. And then as we continue to develop the, the program and the, the process and the different types of materials, one of the major materials was asbestos, and that obviously was a, an issue and continues to be an issue, one that we've never outlawed in the U.S. But we continue to install mechanical insulation on different piping systems, et cetera. We're often value engineered out in many different systems because it's the initial cost of a building or a structure that people well, latch on to. And unfortunately, they don't realize that they're paying for their energy costs four or five times over the next four or five years, more than they should be, and it pays for itself. So it's not really a cost, it's an investment, and that investment is kind of like money in the bank, in which case you're saving money and putting money in your own pocket by installing mechanical insulation. So why is it so difficult to convince, especially like owners of buildings, that, that it's going to save them money? They, they just don't want to do the upfront costs on it. Uh, does it take too long to explain how much they can save? I mean, you've been doing this. What, what are you hearing from, uh, from the field? Well, in reality, most mechanical installation is, is installed as part of a subcontract. So the main contract is usually with a mechanical contractor and obviously their priority is getting work for their members and for themselves and so when they install the mechanical piping ductwork equipment whatever the system is in the facility that's their first priority so if they can eliminate something or if somebody as an owner comes back and says says can you cut the cost where can we cut the cost it's very easy to eliminate mechanical insulation or the thickness or the proper installation of that product because if you eliminate a pipe or fitting on a piping system, that system doesn't function. If you eliminate the insulation, the system still functions. It's just not efficient, and you're paying and basically burning money on a day-in and day-out basis. Many people think it's a commodity because they don't understand the process and haven't taken the time to educate themselves about the importance of the material and the product and the installation process. 
We're speaking with uh, Jim Petrides. Jim is a senior mechanical insulation specialist. Website is mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. He's filling in for a Pete Almini today. Let me ask you this. You know everything has gone up in price, it's, you know, especially post-pandemic. And then we had the supply chain. Is part of the problem, has, has the cost of mechanical insulation kind of uh, gone too far, maybe out of reach for, for, some, uh, for some owners of buildings and, and, and also, you know, the respective contractors that put it in when they do the bidding? Is that the case in, in, around the country right now, Jim? I think the major, the major issue is that we've done a lousy job of marketing ourselves as to what we do. By and large, the electricians have done a great job talking about light bulbs and, and ballast and changing the systems and the fuel efficiency. But the efficiency from a mechanical insulation system is oftentimes, depending on the, the temperatures, about 16 times more efficient in the building than changing out the light bulbs. And that's from studies done from NIA, the National Institute. Uh, I'm sorry, National Insulation Association. So by looking at that, it's not the, the cost. It's a cost that many owners think they'll get to later. And often they don't, and they're not included in their budgets, but they should be. So it's, I don't think we've priced ourselves out of the market. I think it's one of those things that many individuals don't understand or haven't been educated as to the value and how they can save money. And sometimes people that sell things, sell pies in the sky or, or sell items that uh, don't always come to fruition, and yet we can demonstrate through a program recognized by the Department of Energy mechanical insulation does pay for itself in a very short order well yeah you got the department of energy you got this show here we're trying to educate our listeners and we're doing the most we can of you know sending the podcast out other than that as far as getting the word out to the right people do you have an answer to that i mean because we really got to we really got to make this happen i i we're trying to get through the legislative process so uh pete's working on that we're also trying to get education out with different uh, marketing avenues, but it's been very much a haphazard industry, and it's not as sexy as something like walking into a room and having the lights come on automatically. It's behind the scenes. It's a quiet thing. So it's one of those issues where it, we don't talk about it often, and yet it's an issue that saves the environment, that saves money, that helps us make more competitive in the U.S. and the world market. So it's a very important item if you're in tune with the value of mechanical insulation. Well, Jim, I know that Pete is working hard on that legislation, the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, which would uh, actually provide insulation in our federal buildings, 355,000 federal buildings across the country. Uh, And I can only assume if we get that done, and I think it's going to happen. I mean, there's crazy things going in Congress right now, and this is a simple, simple fix. And hopefully by the end of this year, we're going to see some uh, some progress on that. But in your opinion, you think if we get that done, the uh, will kind of fall in place? I, I think that's where Pete's going on this. How do you feel about that? I hope it falls in place, but we need to continue to, to work hard to get the word out and to educate the public as well as facility owners and stakeholders about the importance of mechanical insulation and how it benefits themselves, how it's a safety priority, how it's a life safety issue as well, and the ways that we can save and reduce energy costs for the U.S., making us more competitive and reducing our emissions across the entire country. 
James Petridis joining us on our live line today. He is a senior mechanical insulation specialist. Again, the website mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. That's a website that you can get educated on. We'll continue with Jim right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. When you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. And remember this, if you miss a show, just check out awfpodcast.com. And if you like a show, share the show, because uh, we had a banner year last year with downloads. We had a 25% increase over downloads in 2022. And right now, that trend is continuing. So thank you for listening and sharing America's workforce. Let's go back to our live line and rejoin Jim Petridis. Jim is the senior mechanical insulation specialist with the heat and frost insulators. 
the Mechanical Insulators Trust, Mechanical Insulators, lmct.com is the website. He's filling in for Pete Almini today, giving Pete a break. We wanted to get a different perspective, somebody who's been working, well, in the union movement as well as a contractor. So he's got an interesting uh, perspective to mechanical insulation. In this segment, Jim, I want to focus on um, audits, mechanical insulation audits. Well, why don't you explain what a mechanical insulation audit is and why it's beneficial? Can we, uh, can we get into that? Sure. Uh, mechanical insulation audit is where we go in and evaluate through an intensive investigation of the actual mechanical insulation systems. So we go in and we measure any missing insulation, any damaged insulation, any improperly installed insulation, any issues at all with the mechanical insulation system. So we go in and measure that on a foot-by-foot basis. We walk the entire systems and we look at every piece of pipe, every piece of ductwork, every piece of equipment in the facility. And then we come through and, and to document or defend that, we also use state-of-the-art software, and we use infrared imaging to show the energy losses in the different areas. We also go in and check things like wind speeds, wind velocities, humidity levels. We check system geometries. We check the installed insulation material on the piping or ductwork or, or equipment. We check the specifications, the thicknesses, the jacketings, the materials, and whether or not the insulation system that's installed is the right system for that particular mechanical system to ensure that it's operating at optimal levels. Once we do that, we then run an energy analysis of that system and try to determine what the energy loss is of that system. And then we quantify that in terms of dollars, in terms of BTUs, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions and other polluting emissions in the atmosphere and what we can do to remediate that system and improve the functionality of that system to ensure that it works as well as possible. So I can only assume you've been doing these audits over the years and that they have been beneficial then? They have been exceptionally ben- beneficial. I've done them in the mush market, which is municipalities, universities, schools, and hospitals. I've done them in the private sector. I've done them in the public sector. I've done them in multiple facilities, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's uh, refineries. Regardless of what type of facility it is, any facility in the U.S., we can go in and, and actually usually develop a, a program to help save money for that, that customer to reduce their costs, to improve their budgeting systems. I've done them on military bases, et cetera. So in all kinds of different facilities across the U.S. So, so Jim, in your experience then, um, how bad is it? I mean, are, are these buildings losing a lot here by not having it? Well, you, you mentioned, too, that the, the mechanical insulation that is in a lot of these buildings has not been properly installed. Can we get into that? Is, is that a big issue today? And is there a lot of energy loss out there? The energy loss is tremendous. It's, it's in the trillion of BTUs. The losses, I've probably done, I've done thousands of audits. And in that time, I have yet to find a facility that hasn't had a loss somewhere that they weren't capturing or quantifying in those facilities. Sometimes it's on the, the cold side, sometimes it's on the hot side, sometimes it's both. The only system that's operating that we usually can't, that we cannot save any energy from is things such as domestic cold water because no energy is used to create that cold water. But whether it's a heating system, whether it's a 
a steam system, whether it's a system for manufacturing, et cetera, there's, there's a lot of savings out there. Sometimes the savings will pay for themselves in as little as six months, which is, which is tremendous. And if you can put your money in the bank and double it in six months, why wouldn't you do that? Right. So, right. I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And people don't realize the fuel costs that they have by having improperly installed or improperly insulated systems. So it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for the country as a whole. And actually it, it's one of those things that can actually make our, our manufacturing more competitive in the worldwide market. And that's jobs for Americans. So why wouldn't we go that direction? Sure. In your experience, when you do these audits, do, do most of the people say, okay, okay, what do I do? Let's get it done. Or do some, I would imagine there's a few out there that, that just ignore it and maybe kick the can down the road. What, what are you hearing? It's the, the, the issue is usually getting to the right stakeholder. Is the stakeholder the facility director? Is the stakeholder the owner? Is it the building owner? Is it a large corporation where the audit doesn't make its way up the food chain for the actual people in charge to see that? Does it become a priority, or is it a facility where they're making a little bit of money and they don't think it's the number one priority, they have other priorities? Most of the time, however, we have been successful in encouraging the people to improve their mechanical installation on the system once they see the results of an audit. So the big deal is getting your foot in the door and getting the audit performed. Jim, I would imagine there's a lot of wide open eyes when people see those audits and realize how much energy loss there is in their respective building and what they can do. And like you said, the savings could be happening within six months. With all that being said, we got a pretty good audience here on America's Workforce. What's your advice to those listening right now if they want to get a mechanical insulation audit? How, how do they do that? They can get a hold of me. They can call me on my cell phone at 317-947-8167. They can get to the Insulators LMCT website to contact us there. They can get a hold of any mechanical insulation union that can put us in contact with them in their area. Or they can email me at a long email, but it's J-P-E-T-R-I-D-E-S at insulators with an S L M ct.org so it's j and then my last name is spelled like a, a cat rides a bike or a pet riding a bicycle p-e-t-r-i-d-e-s at insulators and then lmct.org did a good job on that and i'll give that phone number out too it's 317 the area code 317-947-8167 and that's jim patrides but it's spelled out J Petrides, okay? J P E T R I D E S at Insulators L M C T dot O R G. Now, are, are you keeping busy on this? Is uh, I, I would imagine now that you gave all the information, your personal cell phone. Do, do you do that a lot? Do you give that out? And is it keeping you busy? Uh, it does keep me busy, and I get calls. Uh, sometimes I'm dealing with people in the UK. Sometimes I'm dealing with people in California. I've dealt with people uh, worldwide in different localities, including Korea and Australia. So I get phone calls 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, that begs another question here. How, how, do, we, how do we compare with other countries on mechanical insulation? What, uh, obviously, you're getting calls from all over. What, what are you hearing? 
some countries do really well, and some countries are looking for information. Some countries mandate a better insulation systems in their country, and, and some are just getting on board and trying to determine how they can improve their facilities. So it, it's a gamut across worldwide. Is a, it's a strange gamut, but it, it is a different type of environment, and it's a different type of education process for people learning about a niche industry by and large. It's, there's not as many insulators as there are electricians or pipe fitters, but we're heading down that path. Well, that's what we do here on America's Workforce. We try to promote the fact that there are many, many good jobs available. National website is insulators.org. That's plural, insulators.org. You did a great job. I'll tell you that that, that stint at the National Labor College helped you out here. And uh, the fact that you were a contractor, too, you, you went on... Well, you went on the dark side for a little bit, but you're back on the right side. So we all appreciate that here, Mr. Petridis. So you stay on the right side and everything's going to be good. And hopefully we'll keep pounding the message, the importance of mechanical insulation, getting that audit done. That is so important. And again, you know, just in wrapping up here, let me give uh, Jim's cell number again. It's uh, 317-317. 947-8167. We want to load up your phone with a bunch of voicemails. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to tell Pete you did a great job. You take care. Stay safe. And you know what? Let's do this down the road. Stay in touch. Can we do that, Absolutely. brother? Absolutely. Thank you for giving the opportunity. And I appreciate the opportunity to spread the word of what we can do to make everybody more competitive and improve the U.S. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger, will be joining us. Don't go away. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. The Alliance for American Manufacturing is a nonprofit, nonpartisan partnership formed back in 2007 by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers. Their mission is simple strengthen American manufacturing and create new private sector jobs through smart public policies. Keyword there is smart. We need to be smarter than ever in today's highly competitive world. The Alliance for American Manufacturing believes that an innovative and growing manufacturing base is vital 
vital to America's economic and national security, as well as providing good jobs for future generations. Good jobs today, good jobs tomorrow. Good American jobs. Find out more at AmericanManufacturing.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to line number two right now. And joining us is Tommy Buffenberger, now our independent labor voice, former general president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Last month, we were talking about the the incident with Alaska Airlines with uh, Boeing, and they have since grounded a number of those uh, planes for very good reason. I mean, they had a door that blew out while the plane was flying 16,000 feet in the air. My gosh, I think if it was like maybe 35 or 40,000, Tom, you can join me right now. In your estimation, what would have happened if that uh, door came out flying at 35,000 feet, would that be a, a, a tragic situation for everybody on board? Listen, Flash, 16,000 feet could have been very tragic, and let's give credit where credit's due to the pilots of that aircraft who managed to maintain control and get that plane back on the ground, and the flight crew that put themselves into danger, those flight attendants, making sure the passengers were taken care of. Had this occurred at an altitude, let's say, of 35,000, the, the depressurization would have been magnified, the effects of it, many times over. And who knows, Flash, that could have sucked people right out of that plane and or much worse. We could have seen another catastrophe. So in this whole episode... The first people who deserve a medal of some sort are the pilots and the flight crew on that aircraft. And then, in the videos I saw, the passengers deserve a lot of credit for maintaining their cool for the most part. And I know they were cool because it's freezing up there. Uh, they Everything just came about in the right measures to return everybody safely to the ground. Tom, if you don't mind, I want to talk more about the fact that this is Black History Month and you, for over 18 years, you were the general president of the Machinist Union. And I know diversity was very important in the program. Can you speak to that? And uh, from what I understand, I I guess it became somewhat of a model for the AFL-CIO. I'm going to let you pick it up from there. Uh, Be glad to, Flash. The IAM is an old union founded in 1888 by 19 white men in a railroad pit in Atlanta, Georgia. And for many years, based on our skill and craft in the railroad industry, you did not have in the machinist ranks the um, any 
people of color, any diversity, no women. And the union was known as a bastion of uh, white male unionism. And that's just a historical fact. And through the ensuing years of our history, the machinist, and it's not really well recorded, took the early actions to allow for um, African Americans to become members, full members of the union. And that took, that was a big fight. They could become members and pay dues, but they couldn't participate in a lot of things. We even had black locals. And all of that, by the 19, late 30s and 40s, kind of started to disappear as people of color truly were integrated into the union. And as a matter of fact, at our convention in 2000, my first convention as president, we took action to retroactively recognize all the members of color and women that we had throughout our previous history. And from that point in time, the Machinist Union embarked on a program that today I consider one of the highlights of my time in office, is to make our union look like our members. So we increased our, our determination to bring more diversity about in our union. So in my time, I had the first um, African-American general vice president who then became our general secretary treasurer. Uh, in my time, I had the first Hispanic um, woman general vice president who became our general, who still serves as our general secretary treasurer. I had the first African American female general vice president. My staff was balanced out to have actually, um, it was more diverse than what our union looked like with women directors of major departments, of people of color, running these significant pieces of our union. And uh, I remember their names because they all made great contributions. And having said that, there's a, the very first director of the IAM's Civil Rights Department, and that's what it was called back in the mid-70s, uh, and he took that role was a guy named Clark Johnson from Elyria, Ohio. Clark's now retired, and uh, here's a guy who fought against all kinds of obstacles as a representative trying to push the best interests of our uh, minority members to the forefront, and he succeeded. And... Uh, Black History Month to me has always been about finding a way to honor the work that Clark Johnson did. Our automotive coordinator, who handles all our automotive presence throughout the U.S. and Canada, Boyson Anderson, was the first black director of that department. And uh, currently our legislative department, which is very active in Washington, D.C., is uh, managed by a, uh, a brother named Hassan Solomon. And I remember uh, the day he came in and I hired him. Uh, 
this guy now is so active and well-known and very integral to the Congressional Black Caucus, etc. You know, I can tell um, Native Americans, the first vice president of the machinist who was a Native American, Lynn Tucker. Uh, the list goes on and on. Um, I'm very proud of it. And we became the model in the AFL-CIO because it was a, a simple comparison. If the machinist can do it, everybody can do it. So we broke the mold of being that uh, pale, stale, and male setup to a union that looked like its members. And if a president of the union can can leave, uh, retire as I did, and know that your union looks like the the people it represents, uh, that's a good feeling. It's a darn good feeling. God, I love that line, pale, stale, and male. What you set in pace 24 years ago, making that union strong. We're talking about the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Retired General President Tom Buffenbarger, you take care. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next month. Okay, brother? Okay, best to you and the listeners, and uh, have a good celebration in the month of uh, February as we celebrate our heritage. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the Washington State AFL-CIO and the latest on union busting from the Labor Lab. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.